So we all have one thing in common in the room today, and that is we all came from somewhere. Um, we all had a family we grew up in. It may not have been the same situation, and, and frankly, you might have had an unfair situation growing up, but we all came from somewhere. We started talking in Ephesians chapter 5 that we are to be imitators of God as dearly loved children. We are to model after Jesus with everything we've got. Last week, we talked about the relationship between men and women, a husband and a wife in particular, and that there is, in biblical sense, the model of Jesus in the church should look like healthy Christian marriages. And today, we're going to dive even further into relationships with children. Did you know that it may be like one of the worst things I've ever read, but they said that couples that don't have children stay married together longer. Now, I, I want to caution that with this. If you're a kid in the room, which we all were, you're not to blame. What happens is we didn't start by being imitators of God. And then we didn't model Jesus' love for the church. And so when kids are added in, it just made it worse because we didn't look like Jesus. So to change this, we've got to look at the model that Jesus gives. I can remember when I was little, one of my best friends was one of those guys that bought model kits all the time. He would, you know, buy them, he would call his buddies up, and we would all rush over to his house, and if you remember, if you've ever had a model kit, they come with the skeleton around it, right? You have to break off each part, and each part has a label. Well, back in the day, each part had a label attached to the skeleton, so the hood of a car would have like E4 next to it. The problem is this, if you broke the hood out before labeling it E4, you didn't know where it went. So every once in a while, we'd get all of our friends together, and a new friend would come over. And he would start breaking out all the parts as fast as he got them. And we'd all do the same thing, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? Now we don't know how this goes together. And he'd be like, oh, I got this. He never would. And he'd never be invited back. You know, isn't it funny that today you have to have a license to drive? You have to have a license to buy alcohol or tobacco products, but you don't have to have a license to raise a kid. Probably one of the greatest responsibilities we could ever possess is that of passing on faith to the next generation. And so why is it that we go so willy-nilly into things like marriage and child-rearing and we don't prepare ourselves for it. We don't read the manual before it happens. And what ends up happening is we're all damaged because of it. Each one of us has something in our upbringing that our parents didn't get the manual right in. And maybe if you're a parent that has grown kids, let's just make a confession today. Do us a favor. Y'all have wisdom, so thank you for being here. You parents that have grown kids, you're in grandparent years maybe even great-grandparent years. Would you admit today, I want you to raise your hand because I, I want you to share that wisdom with all of us in the room that are still raising our kids. How many in this room would say, yeah, we messed up one or two times in raising our kids? Just raise your hand. Praise God. I'm so thankful y'all raised your hands. Woo! Because there's moments that I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't do that right. Man. You ever convince your kids that you were wrong, but it's their fault? 
Like where, you're, where, where you say something like, I'm sorry your leg's broken, but you shouldn't have been running in here. You're like, really, that's logic? Like, let's just be real. There's times we yell and we fuss and we do all that, but it's unfounded. Uh, we're really teaching something to our children, and we'll, we'll end with that today in this lesson. But I just want to go over a few things that Scripture does give us as we look at the text in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1. It says this, Children, obey your parents as you would the Lord, because this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life in the land. Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. I've often thought that we've relegated so much of our children's growing up life to our wives. And it's simply not what the biblical text asks us to do. We as men have a huge responsibility. Did you know that they can label in incarceration facilities how many of the young men that are in there that didn't grow up with a father figure? Now here's the the true charge. You may say, well, that's them. Let me just ask you this, church. We have somewhere in the world of, let's just give it 30 young men that show up every Wednesday night to our church. Do you know half of them by name? Do you know 15 of our students, if we walk them up, would you say, I know them? Or would you simply say, well, their parents are raising them? This is also not a biblical understanding. We have community for a reason. We are all training up the next generation. We all have stake in it. We all have stake in the fact that the gospel will carry on beyond our generation. And we're watching it diminish over the years. I I just, if you could go back in time with me for a second and think through what the early church looked like. The early church was troubled. To show up to the early church may mean your death. Let us not forget Paul the apostle, who was Saul, that persecuted Christians. He led them off to be killed. And this was his job, and the church supported it. And because of this, we saw a whole generation of people that loved Jesus, who should have been fearful, showed up to church anyway. And it grew. What about the early church in America? As revivals began to sweep our nation, as as people began to show up at revival tent meetings at the end of a day. And, and I heard someone once say, I just wish that we were as relaxed as our great-grandparents were. Our great-grandparents worked longer hours than we do. They ate less than we did. They worked harder than we did. And yet they gave time to Jesus because, not because their neighbors made them, but because they wanted to see him do something. And they believed he would. The question we have to answer before we even get into the text today is this. Is the Bible trustworthy in relationships? If it's not trustworthy in relationships, you can go ahead and tune out starting now. But if you believe like I believe, that the Bible is completely trustworthy when it comes to relationships and how to have them and how to move through them, the next few seconds and minutes of our time together are going to prove valuable because we all have a role to do. Because grandparents and great-grandparents in the room, you're watching us make the same mistakes you did. And you need to help us. Because we're raising up the next generation. And we want them to carry the gospel with them. Uh, Maybe you just need to hear this. Um, We've heard so much about millennials 
That's the generation that's marching and, you know, they have Starbucks in one hand and a sign in the other. They're eligible to be president in the next election. You don't think what you do today makes a difference? How about this? We have never seen an exodus in church life like we have in this generation. Never before have we seen organizations try their hardest to keep people in the church than we have now. We're growing churches so fast because we're seeing so many people leave that we don't know what to do. And every day a church closes across our nation because they're unwilling to go reach the next generation with what it takes. I want to tell you something before we begin that's true from my heart, and I want you to hear it. There's not a week that goes by at Quell Creek that I don't get a complaint about our music, about what we've done with the building, about our signage, about a sermon. Let me just tell you where my heart is. I love you. I'm going after the lost people. I love y'all with all my heart. But I don't believe that Jesus spent a lot of time patting the church on the back. I believe he went after the lost. And as a church, we're going to make more changes. I I know it's difficult, and I I promise you, I hear you. And and if you want to complain, I'm the guy to complain to. I, I hear you when you say something. But I want to tell you this. I want to see people saved. And so to do that, I'm willing to do anything it takes. And as a church, I'm asking you to join us. To not simply let the next generation fade away from the gospel. We will go after them. We will reach them the way that they will be reached. And we will see a harvest if we won't stop. And let me tell you, there's days that our staff is tired. We're whipped. We're feeling the same thing you are. Because the battle is real. But so is my Jesus. And my Jesus is going after this next generation. And i got to tell you, as your pastor, I'm with him. I'm with him, and I need you with me. And it means that there's going to be times that you're going to go, oh, my word. The pastor just put on a swimming cap and goggles and got in a dunking booth. I'm so grateful that the pulpit is not a dunking booth. Oh, Jesus, thank you, Lord. Um, But can I just tell you? It comes a time in the life of a church where they make a decision. Die or grow. We will grow. We're going to go after the next generation because there is a whole generation of lost people that need to see Jesus really before them. And I need you. I need you because we are to train up this next generation. No one else is going to do it for us. The government's not going to do it. Gun right advocates on either side of the gun debate aren't going to do it. We know our politicians don't care. It's just a vote to them. But it's a whole spiritual life to us. We will care. We will go. We will reach. You know why? Because this is Quell Creek. And at Quell Creek, we want to be where Jesus is at. We will reach the next generation for Jesus. So, I want to talk about the reality. That, that had nothing to do with the sermon. That was just, there's times I'm just going to be Kyle, and that was that moment for you. So, there you go. Uh, here's the trouble with this scripture. Let's just be honest. Some of you grew up in households where following after your parents wasn't an option. Because I want to tell you what this scripture means and what it doesn't. 
Obeying your parents does not mean that you obey to the point of sin. That is not the gospel. That is not what Jesus is calling on you to do at all. In fact, it's not calling on you to sin ever. So what does this mean? What if you grew up in a household where your parents didn't allow you to go to church or where your parents you know, did things that you didn't approve of, but they said, come with us. What, what if that was your upbringing? And what did Scripture say to you today? Because you want to honor your parents. You, you want to be the kind of person that lives long in the land, right? And you want to be the kind of person that it goes well for you. And I, I mean, I, that's that promise, right? We get that promise all the way back from Moses, right? Like, obey your parents, and here's why. Did you know that's that promise in the Ten Commandments? There's a, a real moment of obedience that we've got to play out. So how does that look when things didn't go your way? So let's look at the Scripture. Let's look at what it says. The first is this. Children are to obey their parents as they would the Lord, because this is right. Ephesians 6.1 says that, Right? So let's look at what it says. Children obey their parents, emulating their obedience to the Lord. That's your job. That's your job is to emulate the model of Jesus they live out before you. But what if they didn't? I don't know if you grew up with friends like that, but I did. I grew up with friends that when they got grounded, they didn't get grounded from TV or football or anything else. They got grounded from the church. Y'all grow up around anybody like that? I remember seeing my friend at school and say, where were you last night? Well, I'm grounded. I'm like, okay, so from what? Well, just from church. I'll be at the party on Friday. And you're like, you can go to a party on Friday but not a church on Wednesday? You know, what that really was was that tension of that parent saying, you're going to look like me. You're not going to look like Jesus. So what do you do if you're that student? So I just want to look at what this honor means in, in the text of Webster's Dictionary, honor means this, to regard with respect. To regard with respect. Which means this, that even if you didn't grow up with parents that you could model your life after, everyone else outside of that realm should see that you love and support your parents. You, you should be the kind of person that models Jesus backwards. So this is what the model should look like. We got it from Scripture, right? Jesus is at the top. And Jesus is speaking through the model of the family. He says this is exactly what the church looks like. And he's speaking down through a father that is the kind of man that a wife underneath would go, I love this man. He looks like Jesus to me. He treats me amazing. He loves me deeply. And he shows me the ways of Jesus in every situation. Because this man's focus is not on his wife and children. His focus is on Jesus. He's modeling everything he can after the likeness of Jesus. So that when he reacts with his family and first his wife, he acts like, like Jesus to her. And we blow that too, don't we men? Like, I wish we got it right all the time, but frankly, the truth is sometimes we blow it. And what we do in that moment is we ask for repentance and forgiveness from Jesus first and our wife's second. And then, because the husband and wife are working together and the two shall become one flesh, we always have this model where we're 
we're always doing this and always at battle, but God says there is no battle. I'm making you one. If there's a battle, it's because you're missing out on what I'm creating. You're trying to do this, and that's not what I do. I'm creating one entity. Is the husband still a leader of his family? He should be, according to Scripture. And the wife should look to her husband and, and be submissive, not, not weak. That submissive is not a weakness. It's a fellowship with. It's an agreement to. It's, it's like letting her husband walk first down that road that may have a rattlesnake so that he will get bit and she won't. Did you know that's exactly what that scripture calls? Full submission is following even though, you know, your husband may face stuff that you won't. And that is our job as men, Amen. is to take the rattlesnakes out of our family. Amen. We are to take the lumps, and that's the calling of men. You're to take the lumps for your wife and your kids. That's your job. God called you to it. Be a man. Women, you are to lead diligently with your husband. You are to be in fellowship as one flesh. And the scripture says that that then becomes a huge power in the life of a family. And when one of those is broken off, someone else gets involved. And I'm not going to tell you it's going to be a politic, it's going to be this. It is Satan himself. Satan wants to lead your children. He absolutely wants to bring them up in his image. And I promise you, if you won't do a godly example of what it looks like to follow after Jesus, Satan will take your lead. He wants to disunify them. He wants to give them words like this. Oh, church is all about religion. Listen, if that's all church is for you is religion, this is not a good place. But there's a scripture that I want to give you today. It says, but the true religion the Father loves. Did he use religion? Is one that takes care of the widow, the orphan, the hungry, and the naked. So, we've confused the fact that God wants to use the church in a mighty way. But let's back it up one step. He wants to use your family in a mighty way. He wants to use your family to reach the world. He wants to use your family to take Jesus to the next generation. He wants to use your family in a mighty way with what he's doing. Listen, it's a day someone came to you and said, hey, your favorite person on the planet, I don't know who that is, mine would be April, um, is having a parade. And they're going to be going right down the middle of Main Street. And we want you to ride in the car with them. Would you say no? No, you wouldn't. You'd say, count me in. And you'd jump in and you'd wave at people like a princess, even if you're a dude. That's what we do in parades. But God is calling you to be a part of what he's doing. He's got something bigger than a parade could ever be. And he's called you to lead your family to join in the parade of life and to show Jesus Christ with everything you got. And today is your opportunity to say, I'm in. I want to be in. And I can promise you this. If you say no, the parade will keep going. You know why? Because God doesn't necessarily need you. God can use anybody he wants. In fact, God can use a donkey to talk, and so God can use anybody like me. And so, don't, don't even mean that. Anyways, <laughs> don't you see it today? That you're invited into a special place that God has given you to be an example. And I want to tell you something. This is not just a sermon about people who have kids. This is a sermon about people who are kids. 
you are still to obey your parents. You're still to do it because there's still life. There's still life. You're to celebrate them deeply. You're to honor them with regard, with respect. But listen, our honor of our parents has this, a promise or a curse. Has a promise or a curse. How do I know that? It says it in Scripture. Listen to what it says, verse 2. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it will go well for you and that you'll have a long life in the land. What if you don't honor your parents? It will not go well for you, and you will not have a long life in the land. This is a promise from God. He's, it's not just like Moses made it up. He hears this from God's very mouth, and he's like, well, if that's a promise, you can keep it. I've never, ever in all my life seen God break a promise with me. Never once. I've broken promises with God. How about you? But he has never broken his promises with me. Never once has he ever left me or forsaken me. Never once has he ever abandoned me. Never once has he ever forgotten me. Never once has he not been with me. Never once has God broken his promise. So take this to the bank. If you want it to go well with you, if you want to live long in the land, obey your parents. Give them honor. You may not have had a good example growing up. You know what? How can you honor them? How can you show them Jesus backward? Because I just told you, Jesus, dad, mom, working together, children, you as a child should have gotten Jesus poured into you from your home. You shouldn't have had to come to children's group or youth ministry to hear Jesus firsthand. It should have come from your mom and dad. That's their job. But if it didn't, pour it back up. Pour it back up to them. Love them like Jesus would. That will show honor to them. That'll give them the honor they're due is to love them like Jesus would. And I just want to give you this thought before we move on. You might have had that bum growing up life. Your parents may have been the worst of the worst. Can Jesus love them? Can Jesus love the worst of the worst? The answer is yes. So can you love them? Yes. And if you feel like you can't go to him, hear from his heart. Talk to him about it, because I promise you this, he will fill up your tank. That's what he desires to do. If you need strength to love someone that you can't, go to him, because he loved you while you were yet a sinner. So can Jesus love anybody? Yes. Does he? Yes. And he doesn't ask for a receipt. It's, it is love upon love upon love. So let me end with this. There are two options in raising a kingdom-minded child. And I'll give these to you because I, I think that we're missing a mark. Here's the first. You can lead them to anger. If you don't raise your child to focus on Jesus, you will lead them to anger. Because they'll have no foundation by which to live their lives. Watch the news for 10 seconds. Watch for the Jesus followers. Watch for them. Because in the middle of a tense moment, Jesus followers serve in love. That's what they do. They serve in love in the midst of a battle. And when you and I don't act like it, it's because we haven't spent some time with Jesus lately. Because when we spend time with Jesus, we act like him. We talk like him. 
That's what we do. Jesus followers look like Jesus. You can lead them to anger. Don't give them a good foundation. Give them nothing to hang their lives upon. Or you could lead them to training. Never once in your life are you done pursuing Jesus. Never once. You don't retire out of it. You don't get a diploma for it. There is no such thing as being done in this Christian life. There is always a piece of us that Jesus needs to refine. And if he's done refining you, he'll take you home. Listen, I've got to meet a lot of spectacular people in my life. Some absolutely amazing people. The wealthiest of the wealthiest, the poorest of the poor. I've got to meet people that are influencers. And I've got to meet people that when you talk to them, you know they spent time with Jesus. Ramona Price was one of those people. I mean, Ramona Price was one of those women that you know talked to Jesus. You just know it. I mean, when she talked to you and would pray over you, it felt like she just kind of pulled you into heaven. I, I loved just having her pray over me. It was so humbling. And, and Dale said it at her funeral the other day. You couldn't just sit there when Ramona prayed for you. She would say, have a seat. And she'd lift up your hand and she'd hold it. And she'd pray over you. And Dale said this too. And she didn't pray one of those, God bless Kyle and we pray this in your name, amen kind of prayers. She prayed like heaven was holding its breath, listening. And by the end of it, you're going, and she's still holding your arm. You know why? I believe she was right there with Jesus. I've often said at the end of my life, the only thing I want to change when I end my breath here and take it in there is that I finally get to see Jesus face to face. I want a relationship to be such that at some point he just has to say, all right, guys, I got to bring this one home. Like, he's, he's as close to me as he's going to get. Let's, let's do this. Until that day, I'm not finished. Until that day, you're not finished. And until that day, this next generation's not finished. Let's quit letting them fall into the cracks. Let's quit letting them go to nowhere. Let's be concerned. Let's dive deep. Let's give our last breath towards something that matters. There is a lost world out there looking for a Savior, and it's Jesus. And they can keep looking, but we're going to find them. You know why? Because Jesus always goes after the one. Always. He is always on the hunt for somebody that doesn't know him. You know why? Because he loves them desperately. Doesn't matter their scars, doesn't matter their story, doesn't matter what they're wearing, where they grew up, doesn't matter if their parents are great or they weren't. He loves them desperately, and we should too. So the question is this, children, me included, are we doing what God called us to do? Are we being imitators of Christ as dearly loved children, such that our families would be shaken by Jesus? such that this next generation would be shaken by Jesus. Today is your day to say I'm in. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today is your day. Jesus waits for people like us, broken, beat up, left alone, because he loves you desperately. And it doesn't matter your story, doesn't matter if you're tattooed from the neck down, Jesus loves you desperately. Doesn't matter if Today you came in cussing all the way here. He loves you desperately. Doesn't matter your past history or your credit report. He loves you desperately. Jesus loves you so desperately 
that he died on the cross for you, even when you and I didn't deserve it. And he did it because he loves you. That kind of love makes us respond. That kind of love leads us to doing something about Jesus. And today that's my prayer for you. That you wouldn't leave the sanctuary without knowing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That today you would come. And I want to give you a challenge today. I'm going to grab my children. And my wife and I are going to pray over them. I'm going to ask you all to do me a favor. Those of you all remember what happened at Mother's Day. We're going to ask you to do us this favor. We're going to ask that you come and pray over us. That you would ask that God would give us wisdom. Those of us that still have kids in the house. And maybe you don't have a kid in the house. Maybe your heart's just saying that you know you need to do something for this next generation. And maybe today you would just get on your knees and pray. And say, God, count me in. Count me in, Lord. Today I want to give you one last challenge. For those of y'all that are parents all in this room. Every day this week, find a time. Get your family together. Open the Bible. And then pray over them. I'm going to take that challenge in my household. Come take it with me. Every day, one time a day, get your family together, open up the scriptures, read a little bit, and then pray over them. Pray blessing over them. Ask that God would speak over your family, that he would use you to reach the world for Christ. Today is your time to say I'm in. So say it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray, God, that you would speak over this time. God, that you would speak over the families in this room. And God, by families, I mean this family. God, we're one family. And so, God, speak over us, speak through us. Lord, raise us up to reach the next generation for Christ. Lord, may we never be timid. God, may we pursue you with all of our hearts. And God, may you move mightily in this time. God, use us. We're in. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.